we need to pay more attention to our actual physical fitness and our nutritional balance, uh, or we're going to continue to see more and more firefighters dying from cardiovascular, you know, uh, diabetic concerns. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. And this is a special Friday edition of Code 3. On June 11, the NFPA released its annual U.S. Firefighter Fatalities Report. It showed a total of 60 U.S. firefighters died while on duty in 2017. That's the lowest total reported since 1977 when NFPA began reporting on-duty firefighter deaths. Of those 60 fatalities, 32 were volunteer firefighters, 21 were career firefighters, there were three employees of federal land management agencies, two were contractors with federal and state land management agencies, and two were prison inmates. But despite the lower number than in the past, the news isn't all good according to the NFPA's Rita Fahey. I was very happy to see that the total number dropped to 60 this year, so that that was unusually good. But I was surprised to see that there were so many firefighters killed when they were struck by vehicles. But 10 deaths in 2017 was much higher than usual. I hope it's an anomaly. We never put too much, um, we, we don't generally draw any kind of conclusions from the results in one year. The 17 deaths that occurred at fire scenes is the second lowest number of fire ground deaths since the study began, and it's the second year in a row that the number has been below 20. Faye says the survey doesn't include all firefighter deaths or even all the ones related to work. So what we're not including are the deaths that result from long-term exposure, both physical and emotional. So we don't have the um, firefighters who die off-duty as the result of the damage that um, responding to alarms might have done to their cardiovascular systems or firefighters who died of cancer that results from exposure to toxins over the years. With me today to discuss the report's findings is Mark Bashur. He's the former chief of the Prince George's County, Maryland Fire and EMS Department. Chief Bashur was also recently made the executive editor of FireRescue1.com and FireChief.com. And welcome back to Code 3, Chief. Hi, thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. So the numbers are down, lowest in 40 years. That's good news. To what can we attribute this decline? Well, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a lot of things affecting the, uh, the, the great statistic that that report and now. Uh, I would say first and foremost is all the efforts of the different groups that uh, help us collectively lower those numbers. The National Fallen Firefighters Foundation and all of the programs they bring to bear uh, to help train 
firefighters uh, to avoid the situations that others have found themselves in. The exposure of the National Fire Protection Association standards and uh, all of the, the newer gear and the safety features that are affected by those, a lot of different factors come together to increase our awareness. And ultimately, that awareness creates better environments and better uh, training situations that help us survive what was previously unsurvivable. And yeah, we have a jump in the number of firefighters killed by vehicles. What do you make of that? Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, work we need to do there. And, you know, I, I said when this report first came uh, came out, don't be fooled that we've licked firefighter fatalities. That's uh, far from reality. It's a great report, but one of the things it definitely highlighted was that 10 uh, firefighters were killed in vehicle accidents or on scenes of uh, accidents on the roadways. That's way up from the normal of four, or I'm sorry, normal is not a good word, but the average of four. Distracted drivers, uh, all of the different uh, elements that go into, you know, what causes those accidents. The thing that we need to pay more attention to to make sure we're increasing our survivability from those is effective uh, traffic incident management or TIMS, effective uh, traffic incident management programs. Um, we, we did real well a few years ago in initiating those programs and, and getting information out. But I think we're definitely seeing an, an opportunity here to remind people we've got to do better at managing the incidents and actually creating barriers that increase our survivability. Do you think we've become complacent or is there another factor in play here? I, I think there is some complacency in that, you know, we had provided some training and provided some opportunity uh, that people were using blocking more and, uh, you know, using the techniques taught in those incident management programs. So I think there's a certain amount of complacency, but I, I think what uh, is more important is the level of distraction that drivers have at their fingertips, whether it's the cell phones, the uh, different uh, electronic devices they've got in their cars. It's a lot more distraction and we haven't adapted our training and our uh, methods of traffic incident management. We haven't adapted to those increases in distraction. And that's something that as all of the folks that work on those training programs need to take into account is, you know, maybe the distance that we're recommending and the time uh, on target that, you know, we're, we're taking, we need to figure out ways to increase that distance, increase the barrier protection, and decrease the amount of time on target that uh, folks are spending out on the roadway. Now, the elephant in the room, of course, is that many of these deaths were not caused by fires or crashes, but by health issues. Does that make them preventable, and what are we not doing? Yeah, so there is, uh, you know, preventable and non-preventable. In some cases, people will debate that uh, all day long. Certainly, firefighter uh, fitness and firefighter health is a dynamic that um, I have been trying to um, heighten the awareness of for years, uh, making sure that uh, we are not only uh, getting entry physicals, but that we have ongoing annual physicals for firefighters, and that those aren't just, you know, go to your doctor and take your blood pressure. We're talking 1582 and uh, 1583 programs and physicals, NFPA 1582 and 1583 uh, physicals and programs that are strenuous physicals 
and that actually test your capacity to stay healthy while you're under those stresses that firefighters would involve. So making sure that we have those physicals in place is a big piece of it. But even more importantly is uh, firefighters' willingness to have better nutrition and to do more exercise and not just depend on their size or uh, their weight, if you will, to throw around their weight. We need to pay more attention to our actual physical fitness and our nutritional balance, uh, or we're going to continue to see more and more firefighters dying from cardiovascular, you know, uh, diabetic concerns without changes in our nutrition and fitness program. I'll be back with more right after this. On any given day, you are tasked to be your best and power through the worst of times, all at a moment's notice. We know the sacrifices you make each and every day. Your success relies on superior equipment and the best training available. That's why Federal Resources is here to support you, the everyday hero. We are here so you can excel. Discover your success at federalresources.com. Firefighter weight would be easy to enforce if your department chose to enforce it. But I'm curious what we can do to enforce better eating. Seems like this is something that will have to be a personal decision. It is a whole lot of personal decision in it. I mean, ultimately, you know, your job or your volunteer department is not going to regulate uh, per se. They're not going to regulate what you can eat or when you can eat it. Um, you know, there is a certain amount of pride, personal pride and personal satisfaction that should come into play with uh, not only how balanced you are as a firefighter, because you have to be balanced, you have to be prepared to rescue people, you have to be physically not only in shape to rescue people, but you have to be in a shape that other people are going to be able to rescue you. You know, you think about some of the folks that you see around the table at the firehouses that you wonder to yourself, most times people wonder, you know, under their breath, my God, I hope I never have to rescue him or her. I hope that uh, that person never goes down because I don't know that I'd be able to pull them out. Uh, we shouldn't have to talk and think about people that way, but that's the reality of what we're seeing. So uh, absolutely, people need to take some personal privilege, if you will, here uh, in who they are and how they um, take care of their bodies. And that, in turn, will help take care of them when the time comes. And if they don't, have we gotten to the point statistically now where departments can enforce these standards and say, look, you're just not in shape enough to do this job? Well, look, I will tell you this. Uh, you know, enforcing the NFPA standards and something that chiefs have debated with unions and uh, with elected officials and with lots of different people in the industry. And I will I will tell you the same thing I've told other chiefs when we talk about this. Just imagine yourself in front of a judge explaining why you allowed um, a firefighter to go without a physical or you allowed a firefighter to not have to pass some kind of physical standard and that firefighter died and the coroner attributed a portion of why they died 
to the failure of the department to enforce a physical standard. Just imagine yourself before that judge and answer to yourself that question. And then uh, I think most most logical people will um, uh, will arrive at the decision that, you know what, we need to start enforcing better physical standards and we need to start paying attention to NFPA because they are industry standards that a, a normal legal process would look at and go, you know what, you should have known that. Uh, so we're going to hold you to, to the standard. What else in the study sticks out in your mind? What do you notice? Well, you know, the, the big one that uh, a lot of people are talking about now, finally, we're talking about cancer. Um, you know, we have um, spent a lot of time over the years dealing with the operational sides of these fatalities, whether it was roofs at one time, that was the hot uh, topic, and then it was uh, roadways, which we're back at roadways again. Um, but the, the two things that we really haven't paid a huge amount of attention to until now, and that's cancer and suicides. Um, those two topics uh, the report mentions are not specifically captured in this report. You know, m- more than more firefighters died from suicide in the past couple of years than have died from line of duty deaths. Uh, that wasn't something reported until the past year. Uh, so, you know, from an emotional state of mind, we need to do more for our firefighters uh, to make sure that they are getting the not only the treatment, but they're offered the behavioral health uh, opportunities and options that uh, they may not know are available, uh, that we as chiefs, so that we are providing critical incident stress management programs that uh, are, are taken seriously by staff. Cancer is the other big one that uh, we have finally begun paying attention to, making sure that people are cleaning their gear, that, you know, as we design firehouses and again, paying attention to NFDA standards. As we design firehouses, we're designing clean side and dirty side firehouse, uh, of the firehouse so that the carcinogens that come back, if they come back from a scene, they're segregated, if you will, to a dirty side of the firehouse where there is ventilation systems. And taking that a step further, hopefully most of those carcinogens aren't coming back to the firehouse because you're doing a decon on scene, you're you know, doing a gross splash or whatever it is that you've come up with, a brush and a bucket and a, um, uh, that goes on the fire truck and everybody gets rinsed down. Those are huge pieces to reducing these cancer rates long term. All right, we'll leave it there. Chief Mark Bashur, thanks for being on Code 3 again. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. Stay safe. And we put some more information on the NFPA report on our website at code3podcast.com slash 2017 report. Check it out. All right, that's it. That's all for this special edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more, and I hope you'll join me. I'm Scott Oren. Until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.